0: Then I think we're ready to go. Let's okay. do it. Hey, hit
1: play, dude, uh, or record. It's all recording. It's recording now. It's recording now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're gonna pretend it wasn't, um, or we're not. Oh, uh, hey. Good afternoon, Sir Haplock. Good
2: afternoon, Nancy Rommelman.
1: I mean, as as everyone knows, nine people have keys to this apartment. And Mm -hmm. uh we walked in and there was someone sitting here, so we decided to drag him into the studio. Um
0: You make me sound like a pervert. You are I I
1: come in, you're sitting
0: (laughs) I was just sitting at the edge of your bed. Hello (laughs) breathing heavily looking out the window. So
1: this is of course Michael Moynihan, as everybody knows, um, of the fifth column and Vice and Everything Fame and one of my favorite people. And um but you know, Sarah's not sure if people know who he is, so she's prepared. Some very academic questions for Mr. Moynihan. Is that yeah. correct? You know,
0: Noam Dorman, our friend, yes. who owns the Comedy Cellar, who did a very good interview with Philip Bump. If you haven't oh, seen it, it was good. Dude, great. I did the um, Philip.
1: I'm a baby bump.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> did the follow up <laughs> episode, and I just want to say that um, you know, this is also to Matt Welch and uh, Camille Foster that he did re- refer to the Fifth Column as I think the most po- one of the most popular podcasts in America. Yeah, which, despite the fact that it's not true, I did not correct him.
1: Well you know it's I think good, that's
0: true it's good
2: well yeah,
1: yeah.
0: certain people yeah. is popular yeah. um,
2: <laughs> I would also like to point out that um, I don't have keys to your apartment and yet I made my way in wow yes, did. That's, yeah, that's she did so
1: she talked her way in I'm like okay what? what alright so. is that
2: true you did yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I came in behind somebody else. Oh, that's, that's right. Robert. how murders happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the weekend is about to begin.
0: Yes. And there was actually somebody murdered in Chinatown. No, I know. Uh, when somebody came in behind somebody
2: else. Oh, that's right. so, well, that's so, a dark turn. <laughs> i
0: to, to, to bring it all down a little bit, but. Kind of tri-
2: uh, but that's a uh, way of saying that I am also here in New York. Look at that's the, right. Part of this triumvirate.
0: In, in person, yeah.
2: But uh, the point of this is, who do you think you are?
0: Who do I think I am? Um, That's, you know how many women have said that to me? It's like, you're number 85. I tick it off on my spreadsheet of women who say, who the fuck do you think you think Um, you are? Who do I think I am? I'm just a lovely person who... Does podcasts with people like you.
2: Well here's the yeah. thing. If you don't know who Michael Moynihan is, he's one of the great minds of our time. Raconteurs. One of the great raconteurs. <laughs> I remember when I first started listening to the fifth column and I was like, who is this asshole? Yeah. And a then, lot of people have that feeling. And <laughs> I was like, and I think it yes. took me it took me yes. about um, maybe like five episodes yeah. to be like I absolutely love this guy. I mis-
0: metastasized like a very bad cancer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, pretty soon and you can't
0: cut me out cuz I've just taken over everything. Yeah.
2: And I was surprised that I didn't know you. Um you formerly of Vice, Formally formerly of Vice. the Daily Beast. From the Daily Beast. News
0: Newsweek Daily Beast, yeah. reason, reason.
2: it was yeah. probably that hole that I didn't
0: Yeah, that was a like 2000 2000- I guess, wow, 2008, I guess, is when I started at Reason and then started at Vice pretty soon thereafter, like 2010. So I was a pretty early Vice person. I knew those guys, Um, a company that appears to be no longer. I'm not sure if they exist anymore. But but yeah, that's where I I started. But I was living in Sweden with uh, my lovely and wonderful ex-wife, Joanna, who just called me, and I I silenced her for you guys. Um, I've been silencing her for 20 years, (laughs) so this is, it's just usually not for you guys. (laughs) It's just for my own edification. Um, Yeah, and then then when we moved back from Sweden, I I took a job at uh, Reason because I met Nick Gillespie, our friend Nick Gillespie, uh, back when Nick used to drink. Oh, and that is relevant to my hiring story, but I won't tell it here because Nick uh, has is that's way right. beyond that.
1: That's now. right. He's past that.
2: So, yeah. is that your entry into the journalism world? Where do you
1: sort
0: of
2: get into the journalism world? Because you in didn't Sweden. study it. No, no.
0: It's I would I recommend. I mean, I sometimes speak to journalism classes, right, and tell them and that tell they're them they're in the right, it's it's the, the worst right. mistake they're making. Is it, do they not have a sailing course here that you could take? Because it's, it's a huge I mean, mistake. For, yeah, I think so.
1: We're all journalists. I, oh. As a percentage of people yeah. that you know, journalists, how many would you say went to J school? Uh,
0: how many good ones, or just how many? So the people that I know, it's almost zero. Almost zero. But when you work at a place like Vice, that after a certain point is just totally populated by drones, they go to Uptown mm-hmm. to Love Columbia yeah. Journalism yeah. School and yep. they hire everybody who's leaving. So the ones. And NYU too. NYU too, the ones who um, are usually the most annoying, who are carrying their. You know, WBEZ tote bags tend to be the ones from journalism school. So <laughs> usually the ones I stay away from. Usually the ones that accuse me of something.
1: Yeah, uh, it's sort of like it's like like going to cooking school. I'm no, there's nothing wrong with going to cooking no, school, but no. you can also just go work the kitchen exactly and make eight dollars yeah. an hour, and and you learn a lot that way. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and 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 look, it's also an instinct. Like you can't. I, I mean, it's like you can't teach someone to be funny. You can teach them to be funnier. But you can't teach someone really to write. No. You can teach them to write. write better, but, you know, and, and have sort of better structure and things like that. But like I noticed, in, and this is, of course, my daughter once said to me um, when I said she was phenomenal and everything, she was like six years old. She looked at me and she said, Papa, every father says that about their kid. And she was like literally like six and I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. But I, I, she wrote something the other day um, which was about her mother and not about me which so kind of pissed me off. But it was really, really well done. Yep. And I said to her, it was one of those things where I said to her, I was like, did you write this yourself? And she's like, yeah, what the fuck? Do you, yeah, of course. And I was like, oh, you, you can do it. Like yeah. y- if you want to, you don't yeah. have to, but you can do it. You have the rhythm, you have the sense of we what's just- funny and what's a little twist. And that's just something J school, I mean, it can te- they can teach you to be like an AI writer. You can write like chat GPT for A- the AP or Reuters or something. But you either have that rhythm or you don't.
1: I knew someone who really could not sing and decided to take singing lessons and then sang for us. And it was
0: slightly better than before.
1: Yeah, but really also weirdly painful because yeah. it's sort of this sort of guessing yeah. You know, not just at notes, but just in everything and like yeah. the verve of it and the push of it. Um, so, yeah. OK, continue, Sarah Heppler. Continue with, okay, the, with well, the interrogation. <laughs> that's very short, and, very short and gentle interrogation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <yes. laughs> the feather, it's a real feather. In, which I, gentle, in which I distract Michael.
0: you by talking about my daughter. Yeah. I do that every time I'm getting into murky territory. I'm like, have you seen my cute daughter?
2: <laughs> um, no, I wanted to ask you about history. You did study history. I did, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the the great joys of listening to you on the fifth column is your, like, ridiculous, ridiculous... it's the thing
0: I spend my time doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah like I, I depth, depth, true. depth yeah. of yeah. knowledge yeah. Yeah. about history, yeah. and this is something that's come up for me over the years. You know, one of my great regrets is that I did not pay that much attention to history yeah. in, in school. Yeah, um, you know, they ask you that question, like if you go, if you could go back to college, what would you study? Sure. Mm-hmm. Mine is unquestionably history because it was just so boring. I, yes, it can be. Presented in a boring
0: way. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And I've heard you speak about that. And I I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about what gets done incorrectly in terms of how we teach history.
0: I mean, look, there's a number of books that end up on the bestseller list every year that are history books. But they're popular history books. And people use that phrase in a kind of pejorative way. Not at all. I mean, it's the skill. It's the difference between making a Bergman movie... And you know, making uh, you know uh, some popular kind of Steven Spielberg movie, is that they're both movies, right? But the one that everybody wants to see, and you can do that in history. And there's people that are very bad at that, and people are very good at it. In school, the problem for me—I mean, I had a personal connection. So when I was young, my parents both worked, and I spent um, the whole summer f- for most of my, you know, up until I was probably 13, 13, 14, uh, with my grandparents, and my grandfather. Uh, served in the Second World War, and he served in North Africa. He was became uh, it, it, he, he, well, he he joined up in '39 before way before conscription. So you know, huh. it happens in '40 40, '42, beginning of '42. And so we talked about we talked about stuff all the time. My mother would always marvel and say, "God." you know, my father never talks to me about this stuff. And I was like, did you ever ask him? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was like, not really. And I used to endlessly pepper him with questions. And and it took over my brain in the sense of trying to imagine what it would have been like when your wife was an Italian immigrant. That's my grandmother. And you are storming up Italy to Austria in 1945. Like what a very odd experience that must, must have been. And I asked him about all this stuff. And it just totally fascinated me. And when I started reading books about those little set pieces you know, from his life, I realized that there was a lot more to it. And there was a lot more interesting stuff to it. And I just kind of became obsessed with the everyday life of certain periods in time. And this one thing I've never ta- I think I've talked about it once, maybe in the fifth column. I don't think I have. I have a weird thing that I can't explain. and I don't know how to explain it. That I've, I visualize um, time in the sense that a certain decades look a certain way to me. Hmm. So just, I can plot- Like synesthesia for time. It's kind of synesthesia, which is more about color Colors. and things like that, mm-hmm. but this is like, I see the 1930s, the 1920s, and I see it, this continuum, and it looks a certain way to me. It always has, since I was very young, and I know I can put things on the map and it's like, it doesn't, you know, people say history is about dates. It has nothing to do with dates, it's sort of boring, but they're necessary to put things in time and understand the processes of history. But where it became really interesting for me is understanding, um, you know, popular culture in certain times makes you really interested in things. So like, I am about to do a podcast, um, fourth Fifth column, that will be for subscribers only, and about three subscribers will like it, with uh, a friend of ours from the New York Times, uh, Jane, and she is interested in the same little weird bit of film history that I am. Which uh, is? Uh, it's it's very, very strange. It's a German film comp- company called Ufa, and they wow, were... Wow, that's Vi- niche. Yeah, they were Weimar and uh, oh. Nazi period and stuff. And so I've seen all the Ufa movies, almost every one of them. I have a collection of... A, in in it really... Gets you a sense of what it was... I mean, getting a sense of what it was like living in that time, is it's weirdly instructive to watch kind of popular movies because what people misunderstand about this is that they believe, particularly in Nazi times, that it was a lot of propaganda. Goebbels, propaganda is always referenced. Uh, yeah, that's true, but they didn't want propaganda films. They made a few, mm-hmm. but it was mostly entertainment films, mostly to get people's mind away from the kind of drudgeries of politics and the horrors of the war and things like that. So you get to see all this stuff and things like that, little entry places into history that weren't okay why did the First World War start? Okay, let's start with Archduke Franz Ferdinand. You're like, wait, who the fuck is that? What, he's yeah, Aust- yeah, yeah. Austria-Hungary? The, the, why? They're both? Yeah. He's a Hungarian or he's Austrian? What the fuck is happening here? When you, get, when you allow people to have kind of on-ramps onto history that you kind of can make sense of, that's why I've always found, you know, Ottoman history, like Roman history, harder to grasp because it doesn't exist in my life in any way, mm-hmm. nothing. I don't like, I don't, I'm not in Roman history, but i try to go back to it and try it, but it just never works for me. <laughs> As people like, no, it's fascinating. You should read this like popular history of, of the Roman empire, but no, it has no bearing on my life. And so I am very sympathetic to people who don't like history because it doesn't really say much to them, but there are ways of making it say a lot to you.
2: By the way, how do you think you would have done in war? Um, it depends. (laughs) Am I working in the canteen?
0: Am I I charging up a hill with like crying? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're charging up the hill. uh, It depends on what generation it was. If I was this generation, I would be like, how do I get to Canada? But if I grew up in probably 1920 or 30 and there was a, you know, existential idea about war, I think it'd probably be like my grandfather was, I think, who was... Very proud of his service, but never made a thing of it. He wasn't one of the guys that wore the hats in the patches, but in his little study, in his little den, he had all of his medals and all of his stuff. And I just used to stare at them, yeah. wishing I could be like that, Yeah, you know? And I used to think, um, I remember thinking this too, by the way, this is absolutely true, walking to school um, in December, January in Massachusetts, very cold, you know, snowing, and I was like and I was like, God, it's fucking freezing. And we were all complaining with my friends walking. And I thought to myself, I don't know why I remember this, that I was like, my grandfather used to do things where were a thousand times worth this. Shut the fuck up and mm-hmm. keep walking. And I think that informs my politics too. That's <laughs> kind of what my politics are, is like stop complaining. So
1: uh, should we get on to other things? We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We do have a lot. I wanted to say one thing about sort of not talking about it. I met someone years ago when I was about twenty and he had I didn't know anything about this. I was visiting with his family up in um, Newfoundland. And he was actually the first person that ever gave me a drink of scotch. He was like 65. i we'd kind of It's weird how we made friends. And he's like, I want to introduce you to scotch. And he gave me a sip of... So
0: an old man is introducing it's, it's, you to it's, alcohol. It's, it's,
1: a, it's a very... It's a very <laughs> Sounds deep- like the 70s. And, very, and that man and was then, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <and> <Yeah. laughs> he gave me a sip of, a sip of Glen Moranji, And I yeah. almost just spit it out. I thought it was so horrifying. But as we were walking down like toward where he was going to give me this little sip... I looked on the wall.
0: Was it in his bedroom, by the way?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was funny. He was wearing this robe. Uh-oh. No, no. Um, I was walking, and on the wall were these small framed, like kind of dusty and askew, And he was in the RAF.
0: Ah, he had been yes, Canadian. Canadian He'd been yeah.
1: conscripted yeah. at like nineteen. He'd gone Wait, over. What's and, the ARIA? Uh, Royal Royal Air Force. Like, Royal Air Force flew yeah. like serious missions yeah, 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 yeah. during World War II. Battle of course, Britain, yeah. Of course, you knew nothing about it. He said said nothing about it. And I, I even I knew at twenty. I was like, I'm looking. He's like, oh yeah. Like, not, not gonna talk about it. Uh, Christopher Hitchens once
0: once said um, that when somebody in a lecture in the question and answer period, ever, when they start a question with as a, stop listening, right? Yeah. And that's the okay. difference between then and now, is that, you know, my grandfather didn't talk about it. My other grandfather who served in Japan and the Japanese theater and the Pacific theater didn't talk about it. And now we live in a culture with that's as right. a, uh, and it's like, you know, you can board the plane as a veteran, it's like a veteran of what? Like were you were you know. you know moving boxes in Kuwait or were you in combat? Like, the fact that this is all present and you see that this really start um, in this kind of stolen valor stuff, which became a very bad piece of legislation by the way, because it shouldn't be illegal to lie about being in Vietnam. But there was a rash of people that just said so you couldn't check the stuff online that they were Vietnam vets, right. and they would go for a like the guy who um, you know the Nick Sandman, remember the guy? Oh sure, that guy, the native guy. Um, said he was a Vietnam vet, and then in another interview, realizing that it's 2020 or 21, and you can get caught with this stuff, he said a Vietnam era veteran. Oh wow, <laughs> that era is a lot, so was right? A lot yeah, yeah. Lifting, doing a lot of lifting in, there. in that yeah. sentence. Yeah. yeah,
2: Nick Sandman is the kid that was caught uh, in a you know one yeah. one photo of him was you know yeah. facing off. Uh, you know, he was just standing there, just standing there. Yeah, and a native yeah. man had come up and was. Uh, was playing music and it sort of became yeah. the Rorschach that broke the internet that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I deleted a tweet that day because I was like, oh, look at this piece of shit. Because he looked like- You right? did? Yeah, you... yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he looked really smug and obnoxious. And I met him uh, earlier this year, actually. And, of course, <laughs> weirdly.
1: of course, Robbie Suave from Reason was the one that just said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to get gonna all the footage yeah, and I'm yeah, just going to look really slowly. That story, you know, yeah, the native that was saying it was like, oh, in Vietnam era, he was actually being quite aggressive. Which, 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 to, you know, banging, banging yeah. the drum drum, which is also, if I may say, not to speak for all natives, of course, but this is not – in my experience – it's not a are, gentle. This is not yeah. like, it's a very pretty humble thing. Like you're not banging the drum in someone's yeah, yeah, face. Yeah. That would never happen.
0: I think he was also surrounded by like black Hebrew
1: Israelites. That's right. It yep, was, yep. was tricky. What a yeah. disco <laughs> yeah. it was. But
0: look, I mean, we make mistakes like that. And you know, I normally wouldn't do that. I was just like, you know, caught up in seeing this and when I used to tweet a lot more. And no, I mean, I did actually learn a bit of a lesson from that. And I was like, yeah, I got to really make sure that I don't engage in any of this stuff again. And whether that's posting a black square on Instagram or like saying, hey, did you see this crazy video? Just wait, wait you know. Wait did you
1: know bit. the day I was actually in upstate New York and uh – a couple of years ago and I, I opened up Instagram and I was like, wow, I must be getting really bad reception because like nothing's loading. Everything's just oh, black. everything's black.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shane Gillis' new special, by the way, on Netflix is an absolute masterpiece as you'd expect. But he has a joke in there about, you know, when you're a woman, you're dating these guys who are basically people who listen to his stuff. And he said, you know, the type of guy who says, let's wait for the whole video, <laughs>
1: which is a funny <laughs> joke. Yeah.
0: But yeah. I think I'm that guy. So <laughs> anyway.
1: Um, yeah, I think we do have a couple of things to talk about. Um, so something happened in LA, I think it was two nights ago. Mm-hmm. There, uh, Barry Weiss, our dear friend, yeah. um, had a something uh, at a theater in downtown Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, at the
0: Ace, Ace Hotel has a theater. The okay. Theater,
1: yeah. And it was a, it, what was the title of it? I don't, I don't remember. It was has th- the
0: Sexual Revolution
1: Yep, there yeah. we go. And she had it was two it was 2 versus 2 and mm-hmm. it was let's see Sarah Hayter mm-hmm. and Grimes. Grimes and Grimes the musician yes. versus uh
0: former Mrs. Musk.
1: Right yeah. or current. I think they just had they had another baby in December by surrogate. Yes. I just read. Yeah, yeah. I don't it, know what means this very means. Odd. What, <laughs> yes. does yes. what does it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? Um and versus um uh, Louise Perry Louise Perry author and,
2: of The Case Against the Sexual Revolution right, who, that
1: yeah. you're a big fan of mm-hmm. and then the gal Anna
0: Kachine, yeah. who from, you
1: know who lives apparently down the
0: street yeah yeah for, I think she might have she, who just had a baby herself uh, right. from Red Scare yeah. Right. yeah I don't know her she's been on The Fifth Column and I find her to be unbelievably funny
1: didn't she, so did you smart. go on her show brilliant, yeah. didn't you go on Red Scare no
0: no no No, she, we had her on um, and I like both of them a lot okay. and I think they're both really well. funny and they do that magical thing where when I totally disagree with them like I turn it louder and i'm more into it yeah. i don't give a shit i just think they're fantastic
2: what's yeah. so great about them is you don't really know where they're going no i do yeah and that's what makes them exciting yes. to listen to yeah. and they don't give a shit yeah which i
0: i really enjoy
1: and they <laughs> so. tape right near here and i don't know why they haven't been in this apartment to have pie so we're gonna have to fix that yes. um in any case this debate going on i wasn't there i will be in la next week not there now and um Apparently, someone, uh, Lorraine Ali, who is a TV critic for the LA Times...
0: Weird, this wasn't on TV. What did they uh, say?
1: Was uh, was super fast and uh, got an article out about it, which I think was out by... Do you
0: have a sense that this was written before she went?
1: Well, I have a sense that she knew what she (laughs) wanted to write before she wrote this piece, but this posted in the LA Times yesterday under commentary. Barry Weiss's big LA debate was less, in quotes, free expression then self-promotion. Um, we each read what this... What
0: a bad headline, by the way. Yeah,
1: it terrible.
0: I mean, it's not terrible. even that it's a headline should draw you in, but the first thing I thought, even if I didn't know Barry, and Barry wasn't a friend, and, you know, I just did something for her today for the Free Press. Um, you know, and I've known her for over a decade. But I would say... Um, why is that a problem that it's self-promotion in the sense that the LA Times has a book fair, LA Times does this, that, and the other it says LA Times over it and they say, welcome to the LA Times. It's Everything's an act of self-promotion. Why should she not promote herself and her her publication? That's why you do things. Fucking concerts are an act of self-promotion. Are they not?
1: Right. I mean, when (laughs) we we were in Dallas, we appeared uh, on stage with Megan Down recently. I mean, it wasn't, it was, we were talking about other issues, but I was there because I want people to be listening to the podcast and reading my work. I mean, you know,
0: I did an interview um, right before this with Franklin Four in his about his new right. book about Joe Biden, and he did that um, interview to promote his book.
2: There we go. <laughs> um, like, would say comp- it's a little less self, less free expression, a little more?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little more self. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I, he didn't mention free expression, but I, I could have gotten him to say it and then say, "No, this is about self promotion."
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, just for fun, we've all read the article that we w- might go around the table and each like read a little paragraph and then uh, and then talk about it. Um, yeah. Uh, Shall I start? Why don't sure, I go do in ahead? Right. Go okay, in I'm in just going to read. Has the sexual revolution failed? Five women took to the stage at the Theater at Ace Hotel in downtown Los Angeles on Wednesday to debate an impossibly broad question with the no. promise of fireworks for an animated crowd, members of which paid up to one hundred
0: and sixty-five thousand. 000- <laughs> one hundred and sixty-five
1: thousand dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs>
0: In, inflation is really exactly. good. crazy.
1: $165 a ticket to witness a verbal brawl between cultural provocateurs. A couple, couple of comments. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, A couple of yeah. comments. Yeah. Um,
0: um, I once I said to my daughter one time about prices. Like, what is a price? It's a very hard thing. A price is what somebody will pay for. It's what you're willing to pay for. That's it. it. $165 of a sold-out crowd. Not mentioned that it, that people paid one hundred and sixty-five dollars. I'm sure there were some comp things, but it was a uh, up to one hundred and sixty-five dollars. I don't recall, by the way, you know, and I followed this when they started doing it. Um, that there was a promise of fireworks or a promise of an animated crowd, um, <laughs> but that's quite a promise. But to say that it's, has the sexual revolution failed is an overly broad. Has anyone seen the film from was it, 1970 with Norman Mailer? And um, uh, Jermaine Greer. It's a film that was made at Town Hall here in New York City. Oh, sure. Bloody Town Hall. A a, a, a Town Bloody Hall. Yeah, yeah. Town Bloody
2: Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get it wrong. And it's amazing. It's great. And it's the same question. And it's the same question. It's Diana
0: Trilling, too, who's great. Yeah, uh, who's Lionel Trilling's wife. Oh. She's she's kind of the quiet storm in that one, but she's very, very bright. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh yeah, and and you know I mean this is the kind of thing that William F. Buckley used to do things like this back yeah, in the day you know ones, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that have a little debate and you know has feminism failed or yeah whatever. sure you of know course. yeah it's, of course. it's 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 it, it might be an impossible question but it's a starting point but it's a starting point. Yeah.
1: I also, yeah. can I just say is 165 dollars really that much money? Wow, up to 165 thousand dollars. No,
0: also. Yeah, up to if you want to sit really close. But I had this conversation the other day when I was watching the um, US Open. You know, the average ticket price for the finals of the US Open, the Djokovic match, was $7,500 average. And I went on to StubHub. I was like, I'd really like to go to this match. I'm a big tennis fan. And I think the ones that were reasonably like situated were like $15,000. And it's like, yeah, I don't think and
1: dollars not yeah. to bad. Also, <laughs> I would just like to say, she didn't say, like, if we were talking about the fact that, like, you know, the Knicks and the Bulls, you could say, you know, between basketball players. Mm-hmm. But what she said, a verbal brawl, pro- between cultural provocateurs. Do you think anybody that was participating on that stage, again... Mm. You're, we're talking about identity. Identity first. You walk in with the identity, which is completely reductive and makes people stupider because they're not supposed to think. Would any of these people self-identify as a cultural provocateur? Cultural provocateur
0: is, is somebody who argues points that you disagree with. I don't think they would refer to anybody that works at the Jacobin or anybody that you know writes for the socialist worker to be cultural provocateurs. Cultural provocateurs in this context means us in the mainstream find these people right. a little gauche. We right. don't really like them very much. They're provocateurs. But is this not a provocative piece of writing? I, I don't think it is. But could we identify her as
2: such, maybe? All right. Could I just say one more thing before we move yes, on? Yes, please. That, that, you know, we get much later in this piece, we learn that 1,600 people are there. 1,600 people have paid this whatever amount of yeah. money they did in the world of Netflix and 500,000 other streaming services to go see people talk. We in the world of language and literature, like it feels like something that we should be like. Celebrating. Celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. We've absolutely. actually got 1,600 people, you know, coming to this live event to talk about an idea.
0: Yeah. 1,600 people, I assume there's a lot of comps in there for friends and things, but let's say it's 1,600 people, 150, $155, $165 a ticket, that is a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000, $255,000, yeah. It's a lot of money. So that is an amazing, amazing achievement, rather than, uh, don't they celebrate women, as what we're supposed to do, women entrepreneurs and things? I get to, when I go to Google, I get to click off a box and I only sort of one-legged female business owners when I'm trying to buy a shawl or something. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. this is celebration? Yeah, I okay. guess this is, we, this is we, all women.
1: We celebrate women, but not these women. Not these no, women. No, Come no, on, get no. it. Okay, Michael, why don't, you, uh, why don't you pick up?
0: A former New York Times opinion writer in full-time agitator. Let me stop right here and say we went from provocateur to agitator in about seven words. That's right. Good Lord. Uh, Barry Weiss moderated the most certainly not right-wing, how could you even suggest such a thing? Those are all yeah,
1: yeah. You know, uh, events Hyphenated. Um,
0: hyphenated. Um, which kicked off with comedian Tim Dillon joking about transgender teens and how bored he was with the war in Ukraine. The panel was split into two teams, was then split into two teams. It was probably split beforehand. Uh, Author and Daily Mail writer Louise Perry and Red Scare podcaster Anna Kachayan were positioned to argue that the movement failed, while musician Grimes and writer-slash-podcaster Sarah Hayter took the other side. I do appreciate that in case you didn't get that they were provocateurs and you thought that maybe Barry Weiss um, lived outside of this universe, that she's an agitator and then most certainly not right-wing, how could you even suggest such a thing? So what if it was? I mean, why, so people, like, even if it was a right-wing thing, which it most certainly isn't, by the way, and people tend to forget this, but Barry left the Wall Street Journal and went to the New York Times because they were too Trumpy. Ding, ding, ding. She literally was like, this is a little too much for me. You guys are being too generous for Trump. She's a lesbian. You know, she's not the most sort of Christian conservative of all time. And I'm not sure Grimes is right-wing, is she? Sarah Hader most certainly isn't. She's just an atheist. Yeah. And that leaves Anna, who's long been identified with the "quote unquote" dirtbag left. Yeah. So maybe she's not being sarcastic, because it most certainly isn't a right wing thing. Idiots. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> I just, I mean, I find it so. I mean, we, because we, because this article is uh, is preceded by the title is preceded by commentary. I find it so incredibly journalistically irresponsible to have such in as to put all these sort of like snide snarky little comments to introduce these people in the whole event what is the point who are you writing this for
0: well this is what's funny because um if you allow me to to read please, this next uh, two sentences because it's quite important uh, they were tasked
1: hello smoker you've got them, listeners if you are hearing this that means you have just listened to the free portion of our oh i don't know biweekly episodes with sarah hepla sarah hepla who's just so busy right now she could not record this little uh interim moment for you. Um, We're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.